Hiya, pal. Got an idea. All right, mate, go on. I think we need to evolve the podcast. All right, what you got in mind? Well, why don't we just start recording all the chats we have when we're talking about leadership? Okay, what are we going to call it? Sense makers. Sense makers. Love it. And have we got a backer? Of course we have. Tsunami Sport. Quality. When are we starting? Now, get this end round and I'll put kettle on. Top man, I'll be round in five. Right, we're here, we're back at it, on, a, on the same couch, which feels a bit strange. Um, long time in the making, uh, but we're both now in Saudi, uh, both deputy head teachers in new roles, which we're both incredibly excited about. Um, but it's, it's just strange to be sat on the same couch as you. We're usually thousands of miles away on a Zoom, and I get loads of space to myself, which you can't see what I'm doing. And uh, today will be a little bit different. We've got a great guest for you today, um, and we're really excited about jumping into uh, Series 3. New name, same game. Brilliant. Great to be back, Lewis. And can't wait to learn some real gems of wisdom from our guest today, Ava Cartwright. Now, we met Ava a, a few weeks ago when she came over and, and did some work in our school with teachers and teaching assistants with the leadership. But we actually properly connected at a, a staff social event. And from putting that hour to rights, the world to rights in that hour, we we knew she'd be an amazing guest. So... Welcome to the show, Ava, and tell us in your own words, what is an infinite learner? Oh, wow. Thank you so much for having me, guys. It's a real pleasure to be to be on here, even though, I, as I've just told you offline, um, it has made me slightly nervous about you know, talking uh, on, a, on a podcast, my first podcast. Um, but yeah, the, the idea of being an infinite learner, I think to me, is so relevant in schools, because if we're not infinite learners as teachers and TAs, practitioners, early years practitioners, head teachers, senior leaders, then we're not able to keep up with the pace that the world's going at. We've got to prepare our children for the complete unknown. And I think it's a real privilege as somebody who works with children to to have that impact on them. So going out and constantly learning, for me, being an infinite learner, He's going into wonderful schools all around the world, magpieing amazing ideas that I can see going on in classrooms, um, in SLT meetings, in discussions, general chat that's going on, magpieing all those ideas and then taking them to other places all around the world. Um, and I think as far as TAs are concerned, I always make sure that I tell TAs, look, if we're not constantly moving forward as practitioners, then actually we're moving backwards. There's no such thing as becoming qualified and being a practitioner. Yeah. We've got to keep moving forward. Um, and I think we discussed this as well, Alan. I've, I've just started. I know you're well into your MA. Um, I started my MA in international education four weeks ago um, in an attempt to maintain my own infinite learning pathway I must admit it's a slightly intimidating process but loving it so far and it, it certainly opens your eyes um so answer your question enough about infinite learning hey, listen good on you for getting that started I know I know it's uh, it's took a lot of time for you hasn't it yeah it's it's a big commitment when you're working full-time but yeah certainly it, the hard work gets its rewards at the end. And, and as you quite rightly say there, the definition of, of being an infinite learner, yeah, you're always learning, you're constantly learning new things. It's You're never too old and can't teach an old dog new tricks. I, I disagree. I think you're learning all the time. And when we've looked at this before, I think I've probably learned more in the past five years than I've done at any point in my career, to be quite honest. Wow, it's having that openness isn't it that opportunity to just be aware that you that at no stage are you a finished article you're always looking to learn and to make progress um and you know alan and i often have conversations around this of just every day if you can spot something that you've made progress in or if you've learned something new from a conversation with somebody um i read one the other day that i thought was brilliant that you uh, if you want a new idea read an old book <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I thought that was a cracking one because, the, you know, the, these ideas, a lot of them in pedagogy, 
have been around for a long, long time and they go around in cycles and circles, but it's it's keep bringing us back to what's important. So to tell us what's important for you, Ava, in terms of your journey and where you've come from and what you're doing, what are the things that you hold really dear? What's really important to you? Yeah, I think um, that, that the, the, the true honour and privilege of working with people who have so much impact with the children um, and you, you think you know, I go into a room to deliver training sometimes with say 40 50 even 60 sometimes TAs in a room and each of those TAs have direct access to 20 30 40 maybe even more children during a day because even the children they're walking past in the corridor and I've got an opportunity to influence the way they interact with every single one of those children during a day um, by changing the way that perhaps they, um, they, they interact in a really positive way, embedding that, that lovely, um, you know, that motivation, that independence, that curiosity with, the, with them. Um, and just changing, sometimes even TAs will say to me that they hadn't really thought that when they're barking out commands, that it was coming out as a bit of a bark and, and, um, and that actually that, that by changing the way that they can have that little bit of interaction makes every single little bit of difference. I'm not saying that that's every TA, but even just if it's one or two that have said that, that if it changes that way. Of, of interacting uh, I think that's really magical um, but TAs on the ground and early years practitioners on the ground um, really are the glue in that school they hold everything together without the TAs a school kind of crumbles at the seams so the fact that I've got that opportunity to to have that little bit of impact in how they um, they work with their children on a day-to-day -day basis I think for me that's really magical. I think that that mentioning of, of how they work on that micro level is exactly what comes to mind for me when I think of the, the best teaching assistants I've seen in schools and the most passionate and the ones that are really connected with the children, the ones that are building really meaningful relationships with the children. How, how do teaching assistants do that in, in, in your experience? What, what makes those ones that make those relationships so special? Yeah, I think um, where TAs really are spending that time in getting to know the children, really finding those little ways in, um, finding those um, those little breakthrough moments, those light through like those light bulb moments that um, that only they've been able to achieve with that child because they've kept finding different ways to help them access that little bit of learning. Um, and they, they're able to get that one-to-one -one and small group interaction going that teachers quite often don't have the time to do, that they, they experience, I think, far more of those light bulb moments than anybody else in the world of education. Um, and those little bits of perseverance and the calmness, the patience that they've so often got to take that step back and think right this isn't working how can we make this work going forward what are the little tweaks and changes the additional resources I could bring in to this particular area of learning what is it that that actually makes this child tick um, and I know this firsthand even from um, from my own children and seeing the breakthroughs that particularly my daughter, who's now 22 and has just graduated, she was pretty, pretty much written off by the education system um, in her in her teens um, and definitely wasn't part of the ordinary class um, during primary. But by having somebody who could acknowledge her confidence, tell her to keep going and not worry about her handwriting or a spelling and a punctuation, just to get her ideas down and maintain that confidence, she was then all of a sudden able to fly. I think from seeing that firsthand in my own home, that, um, that I know that that little bit of, of magic is spreading within all, each of these other schools where they've got these fabulous TAs. TAs are utterly fabulous. I think what you've just described there, Ava, is the Maslow before bloom, isn't it? Where you've actually got that one person who really cares, where the relationship is important, not necessarily all about 
the educational outcome, whether it's test results or whether it's academic achievement, it's the caring because yeah. they can't get the other stuff without the caring. And, and it seems to be from your motto where you've talked about be inspired and be inspirational, small changes, big impact. Where did that come from and how do you make sure you're promoting that in your work? Yeah, so as a team, um, we sat together and we really thought about our key messages that we wanted to get across as trainers and people who were directly accessing um, TAs. Um, we, we really carefully thought about what it was that actually really really mattered when we we go out delivering training um and those two things really stemmed from that the small changes that make the big impact because it really really is those small changes that make a, a big impact for for one child it could just be the eye contact and the smile that changes everything about their day for another child it could be that the ta has thought really carefully about um how how they can um micro differentiate to make sure that that child has access to that learning and really focusing on developing their, their confidence. So those tiny little changes that we do all the time, making that massive impact, that's where the small changes, big impact came from. Everything about the role of any educator is about those small changes. Um, and I, I think it really stemmed from as well, um, the marginal gains, yeah. Dave Brailsford, um, we, we felt really passionately that actually, if we think carefully every single day about those little tiny marginal gains that we can make in education, that's what makes the, the big impact. So it's, it's magpieing again, lots of different concepts from other people, but thinking about what really mattered. And then the be inspired, be inspirational really came from, um, the fact that as, facilitators of training we have to go and find things that inspire us so that we can attempt to be inspirational for TAs and early years practitioners that we're going into but also that's a message that we wanted to put to our TAs and our early years practitioners that if they find ways to be truly inspired every single day that they're reading and talking and looking for new ideas they're undertaking their own little tiny research projects every day and how to improve then they can be even more inspirational for the children and in turn the children then become inspirational for each other and become inspirational adults so this whole kind of knock-on effect of being inspirational we found detrimental to the work that, that we do um, yeah to answer your question enough <laughs> it, it does and 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 to to go back and almost paraphrase the last couple of questions you've talked about relationships um, needing time time being a real key indicator in relationships and how much you can grab those moments how much you can I think you call them light bulb moments didn't you of trying to make sure that you're there when the students are doing the right thing and as one teacher in a class of you know up to 30 children often it's difficult to be there at that exact moment but as a teaching assistant you have the opportunity to do that you talked about caring um, and it, it makes me think of, of conversations that Alan, Alan and I have had with uh, Kent Perkel, who's a, an active head teacher in the US who does lots of work on developmental relationships. And indeed, that's mm. something we're doing in our respective schools at the minute. And Rita Pearson about being children's champions and, and being there and supporting the children. And there were sort of three C's that came out of what you said. You talked about caring, calmness and confidence. Um, and I think you've been very modest in saying that some of these are trying to be small changes that make big impacts. But in your experience, Ava, I imagine some of these do have a hierarchy. They are a bit more important than the others. What, what's the one or two things that are so key for teaching assistants to get right? Yeah, um, I think ultimately, even, even if when you've got the most highly qualified TA, the most um, professional TA, if teachers don't know how to work with the TAs, that's Mental. a real detrimental impact. So we do spend a lot of time, as you can imagine, um, working in schools, um, ensuring that um, not only SLT fully understand best practice in working with TAs, but also teachers know best practice in working with TAs. Um, but then the best TAs um, 
they they know how to make the most of collaborating with the teachers. We, ironically, to follow on from your three C's that you've pulled up there, Lewis, we, we focus on four C's, um, commitment, uh, collaboration, consistency, and communication. And without those four C's, and we, we show them generally in, in a training session um, in a staircase format, because without any of those elements, the staircase falls apart. So for the true magic to happen in the classroom, um, the, the consistency and the collaboration are absolutely essential to making sure that, every, that children know that they're going to get the same responses and the same positivity, the same um, rewards, the same um, messages being um, given to them during learning activities, the same language, terminology, teaching strategies, all that kind of magic. So that then it raises the profile of the TA in that classroom as well. And they're seen more as a co-teacher mm. rather than the teacher's helper. Yeah. That's something that we're, we're really, really passionate of keeping that barrier absolutely um blended you know that we there's no barrier there and ultimately uh, if I was to walk into a classroom and I say this for often for UK schools that if I'm an Ofsted inspector and I'm walking into a classroom because Ofsted do now really carefully look for whether the TA is being truly effective and if they're not it's the teacher that gets pulled up on that so if I'm a if I'm a, a an inspector walking to a classroom I don't want to see any difference between who's the teacher and who's the TA that's really really important that there's no no discrepancy between who's the teacher and who's the TA in terms of great practice it's only the ultimate responsibility that's held by the teacher yeah, I'm just going to use that example there where you've you talked about the best practice, didn't you, with regards to to teachers and flipping this across to the teacher. I think we'll get a real buzz off our audience from this one. Is I remember back to university, we never got taught how to utilize teaching assistants. In fact, when I look over a 25 year career, the amount of times we've had any sort of professional dialogue over how do we better utilize teaching assistance is minimal it's something that we've caught rather than being taught and it's something we've developed as a group and I know Lewis and I did some some work in Manila with with our own assistants and they were like having members of staff when they were like full-time teachers they were that good because we involved them in the process so give us some examples over what is the best practice then that teachers can do to really get our teaching assistants involved yeah, and it's quite a tricky one. I totally get exactly where you're coming from. And this is one of the reasons why I think I'm so passionate about this. As an NQT, going into um, a primary classroom for the first time when I first qualified, I got a 56-year-old TA and hadn't got a clue how to deploy her at all. Literally, and I felt guilty asking her to do anything or had, had even thought, oh my goodness, you know, this poor lady isn't even paid enough to be involved in understanding anything that's going on in this classroom whereas actually truly professional TAs really really want to be part of that teaching and learning so the best practice um, there's been some fabulous research that's been carried out by the Education Endowment Foundation on best practice in working with TAs now I've, I've re phrased their documents I don't actually like the name of their document it's how to effective use use of TAs um, that that word is obviously not the greatest, but in their research, there's loads of really good guidelines and recommendations in how to work effectively with TAs. And ultimately, it is all about building that that solid foundation of a relationship, making sure that TAs understand that they're not just there to deliver teaching and learning in the classroom, that actually they need to be part of the entire plan, deliver, reviewing, um, monitoring progress, um, reflecting together with the teacher and being part of that entire cycle that's so important. Um, but also, I hadn't got a clue when I first um, started as a teacher, and I know that I was really guilty of this when I first started out as a teacher, um, giving the TA the lower ability group 
all the time because I felt that that was the most appropriate role. Whereas actually best practice should be um, in mixing that up a lot. You know, the teacher really needs access to students that struggle to enable them to really get a good idea of where those children are at and how they can actually move forward. Um, so that's really, really important. Um, and I think, you know, just sharing that best practice in what great teaching looks like as a team um, so that they really are working as co-teachers together in a classroom um, is, is really, really great. Just seeing, I like the, the term working as an extension of the teacher so that the TA really is a genuine extension of the teacher. So for teachers, that then means sharing everything. You know, yeah. that that it's not right. This is my role. This is your role. It's a case of, right, this is what we're now doing as a team and holistically building that together. So, so Ava, I'm, I'm just going to show you a book. It's up here behind. Yeah. My, my favourite book, I know the listeners will know this and the people at school know this, it's called The Tyranny of Words by Stuart yeah. Chase, published in 1938. And you, you mentioned something about the wording of teaching assistants there. What would be a better semantic then? Yeah, wording as the their title. Or yes, because yeah. just in the title, the, the language is so powerful, isn't it? We know this across the board. So yeah, what? How could we change that word that would then maybe help and empower the teaching assistant more? Yeah, interesting. And a lot of schools have looked at this, and there are um, schools such as um, Dulwich Group that refer to their TAs as assistant teachers so they just literally switch the words around okay, yeah. um, even that switch what was that what was the difference then Ava, when you've had feedback from that yeah it was interesting and I, I think it as part of that switch when they explained it to the teachers and the TA and, and the 80s there um, of why they were doing that it did raise their profile in the fact that they are assisting the teaching and they're not a teaching assistant. However, <laughs> I don't think it matters too much which way around the words are. Some schools refer to them as co-teachers. They literally use that term co-teachers. And I think a lot of, a lot of those um, co-teachers really do like to be called co-teachers. However, I've also been into schools where they've come up with this wonderful title but ultimately, those TAs are still out of the classroom when the children are in the room. They're laminating, they're putting up displays. That's something that um, we have to be really, really careful of. If the children are in the room, that we're not out doing other things. We're always involved in that teaching and learning. And that actually, admin is shared responsibility between the teacher and the TA. So you can have the most glamorous, wonderful name. Um, however, <laughs> you're a little breathe it, aren't you? Yeah, if the attitude hasn't actually changed, mm. then there's no point in having this wonderful name. Um, I like the fact that very few schools refer to their TAs as classroom assistants because that goes back to the whole paint pot washing, resource preparation, hearing readers kind of attitude. Whereas anything that I think has got the word teaching in it, has direct links to okay we are firmly involved in teaching that we're not there to keep the classroom organized mm. yeah. I, I like that idea of, of of trying to to think of, of teaching assistant as the people that are assisting the teacher and i think there's so many subliminal messages that can be sent out in how one adult in a room treats another adult in a room yeah. um what impact can that have on students? And, and you've talked really well there, and, and it's been really interesting to hear you talk about maybe the positive effects and the impacts that this can have. Tell me about the detrimental effects of what that can have, if, if that relationship between the two adults in the classroom isn't equal and is hierarchical. Yeah, um, it never really quite works. And you know, where I've seen this happen, um, it's, I think the worst are where there's a personality clash between the teacher and TA or where the teacher is desperately clinging on to that power of it being their classroom 
Um, and I think that's always a little bit of a shame where that happens. Um, and I think if we if we can break that down and get that lovely positive relationship going right at the beginning of the school year so that they know where their, their vision is for their, their classroom for the year, um, they, they know the core messages that they want to put across to the children and kind of embed within the school year, then that really, really helps. But I think that's got to come from the top that teaching assistants aren't there as their helper, that they they really are there um, to, to be part of that teaching and learning. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I think that's something that SLT needs to make really clear as well, that that's what they're looking for when they're undertaking learning walks and that they are, um, they're really genuinely looking for that two-way relationship of the classroom working really effectively together that if they walk around and they see hierarchy in that classroom that they're not going to like it um and and you know you going back to the start of my career as well I had no idea that this could even be a thing no. that as a teacher that it wouldn't be my classroom um and yeah you can definitely see why people who perhaps qualified a long time ago would perhaps even think that that's not right. Yeah, and, and the importance of, of, of learning and, and taking this on board and getting a little bit better every day. There's a lot of challenges you've raised there. Um, mm. And I think a really nice exit point to, to those comments is, is looking at the role of sen the senior leadership team in developing these relationships and in getting this message across that this role is incredibly important and incredibly useful and, and it's a purposeful role that can have a huge impact on students obviously within that there are a number of different things and different layers that will will be challenges i'm thinking already about um the the difference in the the hours that um teaching assistants will do compared to teachers the expectations of a salary and contract in a job description how how do senior leadership teams start to align those in a way that that respects the disparities Let's, let's not hide away from the fact that there are disparities in, in job title and in salary, but still respects that opportunity to cre create time for relationships and give people the opportunity to make this work as best as it can. Yeah, I think the only time that it really doesn't work is where um, TAs go home at the same time as the children. Mm. That really, really doesn't work when they're arriving at the same time as the children in the morning and they are leaving with them after school we have to have those little bits of time before and after school to make sure that communication can happen and, and that would be where your four c's would be developed would it and that yeah. planning that interweaves all that yes yes absolutely and that the expectation is that they've got time then to um to give feedback about what's happened during the day that they've um, they've had the opportunity um, to really think about the um, the learning that will happen during the day to really talk about the what ifs. You know, what if this doesn't go to plan? Um, how much independence can we actually give the children in going and finding other resources and, and those kinds of things? Um, but also, you know, at the beginning of the day, if we're not setting the tone for the day together and we're not welcoming the children in together as a team, then parents aren't even seeing that we're a team so it's it's how it looks as well as the actual feel of the interactions and um, that really really matter and where TAs are shared across classrooms a, a great way of helping with this is having um just a simple notebook in the classroom just a teacher TA notebook that's away from where the children can access that um the teacher can make notes in that will be useful to the teaching assistant when they come in and vice versa that if say the TA's got to rush off to another classroom or everybody's off on duty or whatever it is they haven't got time for that immediate conversation that they've just got somewhere to jot something down as a quick note so that all that lovely communication is shared yeah it doesn't get lost there as well it's, I'm just making notes there myself really good point I want to just come back to hierarchy and mm -hmm. you know, because you've visited our school, 
we're out in a part of the world where hierarchy is fairly big. We've worked in Asia where hierarchy is big. It's less so in the UK where people are much more on an equal footing. So I'd just like to get your thoughts there, the differences between the work you've done in the UK and then where you've been international. What have you seen as being the main differences and challenges? Yeah, so um, many of the challenges, I think, within international settings are where you have um, Western teachers being brought in and local higher TAs. Um, And a lot of that then impacts the TA's confidence. Um, They may be naturally more submissive and um, may not feel empowered enough to share their thoughts and ideas. So a lot of the work that we do in schools where local higher TAs are are prevalent, spend a lot of time working on their confidence. And actually that understanding that there's no such thing as a perfect TA, there's no such thing as a perfect teacher. There's no such thing as ever a perfect day in school. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Yeah. So if nothing can ever be perfect, then we're striving for something that is virtually impossible. So by looking at how we can just do our best every single day in looking at what we do for our children um, and actually by sharing their ideas of what's best for the children with the teacher is a great way of building their confidence. Um, we also look at um, you know different different strategies to help them build their confidence and we look at things like how to layer questioning and prompting and cluing and all those sorts of things so it builds their confidence as practitioners but also understanding that they need to be part of those conversations with the teacher but again it comes from the teachers the teachers have to welcome the thoughts of the TAs and really get into that habit of that two-way dialogue that you're quite right is an expectation in a lot of British schools here in the UK. Um, and I think if if TAs aren't included in those dialogues in the UK, that would be unusual. Whereas obviously in some parts of, of the world, it's not. And it's, it's a case of bringing in um, different practice. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a big challenge. And I think... Yeah, confidence and building in as well that that growth mindset within um, TAs is absolutely essential. So when we're when we're looking at growth mindsets and how they use growth mindset language with their children, we look at that growth mindset as well with them as a practitioner, because that's generally they've got a fixed mindset sometimes and the fact that nothing um, in terms of the way that they work with the teacher would be their role so we have to really develop that growth mindset about how they work as well um, going forward one of the things that's really coming clear there is this untapped resource and potential that that tears have and um, again just going back to, to to my own experiences of working with really really top teaching assistants would be those ones that you would feel comfortable asking for their opinions and their thoughts on how to get the best out of a student or how to engage a group of students because they may well stay with that group of students across a variety of different lessons they have a very very unique perspective on schools tiers and I wonder is it is it a lot of the time teachers that are holding tiers and, and students back because of a, an unwillingness to either listen or to ask the question or to, if you like, if I'm being really frank, drop their ego and think that the TA might be able to give them advice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've hit so many good points there, Lewis. Um, yes, 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 and yes. Um, it, it, it quite often is the teachers that are holding that, but not intentionally. You know, sometimes they just presume that they wouldn't want that level of responsibility. Um, and yeah, it does. It, it is a big, big challenge in breaking those barriers down and making sure that um, we're, we're a team, ultimately. Can I add to that? I'm just trying to think of a scenario there. I know we've got a CIS inspection coming up quite soon and Penta after that. Lucky you. <laughs> yeah. I was just... There's a, there's a scenario where you've talked about the, 
teaching assistant shouldn't always be put with lower ability. And I fully agree with you on that. But how do you think a teacher is confident enough or have enough ability to drop their ego to say, right, I'm going to go and work with this small group where I can make a huge impact. But now I'm going to have that level of trust in the teaching assistant or assistant teacher to go and then take the rest of the group to continue the learning that they've set up. Do you think it's a trust issue that we have? Not necessarily pedagogy, it's pure trust. Yeah, it is pure trust. And the, the thing is, right, you think back to our teacher training, at no point were we ever expected to walk into a classroom and just be able to do the job. Yeah, yeah there's this expectation with the TAs that yeah. if they couldn't handle um, working with the rest of the class whilst the, the teacher is working with a group, then that's it. They can't ever do that. And it's like we've, we've got to acknowledge the fact that it takes time and practice and maybe even just five, 10 minutes at a time where we're evolving the way that our classroom works. You couldn't trial it the day that CIS walk in, but it's something that should be embedded, perhaps even if it's just once a week where we trial it, we practice it, we see how it's working. And going back to Lewis's point about being open to that two-way dialogue then about, right, what went well, what didn't go quite so well, what will we do next week while we're doing this again? And, and making sure that we're, we're going through that growth together as a team. And it's not just seen as, right, you're either a great TA or you're not. You know, there's not any of us as teachers who were great teachers when we first started teaching, that is for sure. <laughs> Without a no, doubt, without you, a doubt. you don't just have a natural ability to be a good teacher or a TA or a equally a mathematician or anything. It, it takes a lot of work. Um, and, and some of the points that you talked about there just come straight back round to what you mentioned right off at the beginning, which was relationships, wasn't it? The trust is a result of those relationships and a result of that time spent together. And I want to just nip back to a point you made earlier on, which I thought was Fantastic. And I think with most people in education have probably seen this in action where your TAs do walk in at the same time as the children and they do leave at the same time as the children because that's what they're contracted to do and, and they're well within their rights to do that. So thinking from a, a school logistical point of view and a leadership point of view, Ava, how do you create the changes there and create that culture of having teaching assistants and, and people assisting in classrooms that want to be part of this and see the value in it rather than this is an extra two hours of my time tagged on to the beginning at the end of the day that I don't really feel like I need to do my jobs to turn up and help in a classroom. Well, that's what I'm going to say that you could come back. That's not my job. Mm. That's the, that, that's a phrase often used. That's not my job. You're the teacher, you're leading, you're at the front of the class. And for us as teachers, is that then perception that are they doing your job if they're the ones leading? Yeah. Do you get what I mean? <laughs> I yeah. Yeah. And it's really complicated in the dynamics and, it, and every TA is different and every teacher is different. Um, and, but most TAs, when you start asking them the questions of how much responsibility they want, they want to be involved in the best way possible. And it isn't about pay. It's about, wanting to do the best job that they can possibly do and you're quite right you know I do quite frequently come across some TAs that don't want that responsibility and you're quite right in should they be made to have that level of responsibility probably not but I would say that a good 90% of TAs that I've come across maybe even 95% of TAs I've come across regardless of pay they want to be involved so that they can do the best job they can possibly do now, in terms of the times that of coming in and, and going home, um, that has to really come with a contract and they should be paid for that time to come in before the children are in and to, to leave after the children go home. That has to be something that the school changes. But the way that a lot of schools do this in making that change is by literally changing the whole expectation of professionalizing the role. So restructuring the way that the job descriptions are written, looking at having literally level two, level three, level four TAs, regardless of qualification, that's the expectation of the role. So a level two TA would be involved in supporting in the classroom. A level three TA would be involved in 
taking groups, leading certain elements, maybe supporting whole class teaching. And a level 40 TA might be a lead TA. And they might be responsible for delivering um, specialist areas of training to other TAs and being involved in more of a, um, a leadership kind of role. Um, so over giving an overhaul really of the, the bigger picture of how their TAs work, but also looking at, um, and I'm, I'm losing my thread here slightly, um, looking at the way that they do performance reviews the way that um, the expectations are against those performance reviews and what we're actually looking for directly with practice. Um, and there was something else that popped into my brain there and it's gone, I'm really sorry. Oh, it's okay, no, it's great. So yeah. I'm, I'm sure you'll remember it as you go. I just wanna come back to that there, where you, you talked about these different levels and qualifications. I'm gonna make an assumption here, but I'm sure it's a lot easier in the UK to make it a little bit more professional and, and, and more down that line of getting qualifications than overseas. Because the structure's there. Because the structure, yeah. yeah. And I'm and again, I'm going to make another bit of a presumption here, but I've seen it in many of the schools I've worked in. A lot of our uh, teaching assistants tend to be trailing spouses or husbands are working. You don't see, mad, have you seen any male TAs? Male teaching assistants overseas, I, I, yeah, I haven't seen many. So I don't know how that applies in the UK. You might be able to give us a bit of meat on the bones here, but I'm sure platinum uh, training and consultancy, you probably have a little bit of input there, don't you? Can you do that overseas? Can you be given these qualifications? What, what could we be doing better then to try and attract a different sort of personality to the, to the role? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, and although... When, when we very first started out as TA College back in 2006, um, the, the whole concept of what we were about um, was providing more flexible training, e-learning training, just for our local TAs. But um, ironically, our very first international TA was at Tabuk Primary, one of yours, um, at BIS Riyadh. Um, and... She she then started one of the one of the qualifications remotely with us in 2007, eight ish, I think. Um, and obviously since then, yeah, we, we have delivered qualifications all around the world. Um, we've uh, I'm working currently with your primary team in looking at layering the structure of um, of the TAs. And for some of that, it doesn't even have to be with qualifications. Um, but most people do want the qualifications and they do want qualifications then they can take around the world with them. And if they are going to remain as trailing spouses around the world, those qualifications are very, very useful to take with them. Yeah. Um, some schools um, have used other resources with us. So we've got things like training toolkits and we've got um, you know, the unaccredited training. We do the COBIS um, Diploma for International TAs and, and things like that that are non-accredited. And sometimes they use those um, layers of non-accredited training um, to, to layer the expectations. Yeah. Um, so not all of it has to be done with a structured qualification in the same way that the expectation would be, perhaps in the UK. But the role does need to be layered. Yeah. Um, and particularly in large schools such as yours, where you've got a lot of people, that it's it's a huge gap. If you don't have those HLTAs, those higher level teaching assistants, those um, people working as lead TAs, it it can lead to um, a big breakdown in communication um, um, and. Uh, and high quality of sharing good practice, having TA meetings where they're able to share and think together and grow together are absolutely essential. Mm. Uh, you use that phrase HLTA in your level two, three, fours. And um, my mum my actually used to be a HLTA. And it was really interesting when I spoke to her because oftentimes she would come home with uh, a task to do that was um, really stretching her skill set in terms of, for example, IT and, and, and putting things together, but often with a sort of frustration of not really knowing where her role starts and ends. And, um, and my mum was is a, a real learner. Um, you know, she did her A levels long, long, long time after she she finished school at night school, 
Um, and she was very much a, 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 one of these people that worked through those levels and was very proud to be a HLTA. And I just wonder where that line is between your HLTA that wants to go on and work through a system and be as good as they can be at a job compared to your teacher who's fresh into the role. There's not much of a gap there, is there, by the sounds of things? There is. And, and, and again, this is one of the biggest issues of being a TA. And this is why I'm so sympathetic to the role of the TA. They're expected to be ever so slightly psychic. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, to walk into a classroom and just know what to do yeah. and teachers quite often will label it as oh the TA isn't using their initiative no no what you mean there is that they're not being psychic they're not absolutely <laughs> yeah. um and the thing is teachers as well we, we can be sympathetic to this we can understand this we've all gone into a classroom and picked up somebody else's planning and tried to run with it and it's really flipping hard. And all it's the way really through that hard. lesson, really, it really is. To do, yeah. All the way through that lesson, you're thinking, oh my goodness, are the children actually producing what the teachers, what, what's the teacher going to think when they come back and they see this work that these children have produced? Is this going to be what they want? All the time, TAs have got this going through their mind. Is this actually what the teacher wants? And quite often they'll even get to the end of a lesson and the teachers will look at, at the books and say, oh, well, that wasn't quite what I was expecting. Well, of course it wasn't because they're not mind readers. So unless we can break that communication down and actually talk, right, this is exactly what we're looking for. And it's got to be the children that are producing this, not being over spoon fed by the TA that 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 can break that barrier down. But going back to your mum there, Lewis, I think that's you you really hit on a couple of things there about the fact that she is an infinite learner. To do her A-levels as an adult, I'm in awe of being able to do A-levels. I look at the the stuff that I see <laughs> students do. My, my, my son's in year 13. I look at his work and I'm like, my goodness, where would I even start with this? Um, but <laughs> um, but for for, for her role, for her to be coming home and saying that she doesn't, she didn't quite know the boundaries of her role, that all stems down to communication. It's not her fault. Um, it's because at some point, perhaps she could have asked better questions, but ultimately there needed to be somebody to ask those questions to. Clarity. It comes back to clarity. We talk about this all the time, don't we? We do. And, and I'm also thinking of the word accountability here, because uh, throughout this conversation, you've talked a lot about the, the sort of outcomes delivered by a teaching assistant. They seem to fall under the responsibility of the teacher. Where is where is the accountability for the teaching assistant? Um, and I mean that in a way of where 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 does a, a teacher's guidance and communication stop and a, a teaching assistant's performance pick up? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, and I think as far as all of us are concerned as educators, we can only do the best job that we can do. So I think if you've got TAs who are willing to do the best job they can possibly do, then that's half the battle. Um, but that, 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 that kind of boundary, um, I think would be in the communication that they're they're having between teacher and TA of, okay, what we did yesterday didn't quite work. It hasn't created those light bulb moments. How are we going to go forward and produce those light bulb moments? How can we actually try and get those breakthroughs? And then it being the responsibility of that TA to use the practice that they've shared and implement that practice that they've shared so that you know in in hope that they can they can actually hit those breakthrough moments so does the teacher, that yeah it does so the teacher leads the decision making and the teacher leads yeah. the ideas and the ta tries the different ideas and provides feedback which informs the teacher to make the next decision and i imagine as that relationship gets better that becomes more of a two-way dialogue as opposed exactly. to one way and I, and I want to start to touch on that with this question here and I, i'm probably going to come at this from two different angles the first one is, what do teaching assistants want from teachers? What are question. they crying out for that they're just not getting? It's a great question. Wow, that is a really, really good question. Thank um, you guys. You're very <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, 
to be valued, mm -hmm. I think is absolutely top of, of the list. Um, and I think where TAs are really happy where they've got a teacher who really values them, not only as a professional, but as a person. They really, really do see them as their wing person, that they're in this together, they're learning together. And I think that's some, that's a really key language. Again, going back to your book that you showed a, a, a little while ago there, Alan, um, that it's all about the language. We're learning together as adults. We're sharing together as adults. We're growing together as adults and things aren't going to be perfect. All we can do is our best. So by having that mindset, um, they really do feel valued as a person. I think where they're very unhappy is where they are treated as a resource and they, oh, I'm trying to find the right words for this, um, where they walk into a classroom they're given an activity or worse still a bit of admin to do there's no pre-conversation that's gone on with it at all and there's an expectation of being a mind reader yeah. that just doesn't work and they're very very unhappy when they're not treated like other professionals of course would be. that opportunity to grow as a professional together same question from a different angle yeah. Eva. um what do TAs want from a senior leadership team? Yeah, um, uh, what TAs really want from a senior leadership team, I think, is to have the role of the TA really embraced as a school, um, that they're valued, again, that word value, they're valued and are seen as a really important part of the teaching team, that there's an expectation of teachers to work with them properly using perhaps a very particular set of guidelines, you know, that they're a certain involvement um, in the classroom um, and that they're, they're again, recognized as being professionals. You know, they're paid for inset days. They're given the right training. They're paid to be in school for planning meetings. They're, they're respected as, um, as a true professional and given opportunities to grow. Nobody could come in to any role working with children without any training and be expected to just do the job anything like TAs are expected to. There just seems to be this weird expectation that we would never expect of any other professional in any other field. Um, and, and they, they, they quite often are literally, they're, they're either good at the job or they're not and they can use their initiative or they can't. Mm. And, 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 and we make that judgment on their relationships with the children, don't we? Interactions, yeah. don't we? We, we? we do make that overt judgment based on how they're getting on with stereotypically the difficult children. Oh, that TA is fantastic. You know, she's, she's got those children eating out of the palm of her hand. And, and, and in many schools, it's judged in that really sort of wide generic way. Um, and I think you, you've, you've pulled together two really important answers to questions there of what TAs want from teachers and from senior leadership teams. And there's a lot of food for thought, isn't there? I think it's a very good question that you can have a conversation with your TAs within your school, isn't it? Like, do you, like... As long as they don't arrive with the children, <laughs> you're never going to find the time. To <laughs> but I was just thinking there, just from our perspective, a day in the life of could we shadow and really get down into the depth of what's the day look like? How does it feel? What, what that all think, feel, act like model? What what does that day feel like? What does it look like? And, and what progress are they actually making with children? You won't get that without real doing some observational data and, and really getting down to the, the core of it. So that might be an interesting thing to consider. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really interesting point there, Alan. There's an, a very old teacher's TV video where a teacher goes to be a TA for a day and it's literally yeah. called TA for a day. And she's a secondary, um, I think she's head of English in a, in a school. And she goes to work as a TA for a day in a different school so that nobody knows who she is. Okay. And, um, and it, she finds it really hard, understandably. And at one point in a DT class, she comes up to the camera and she says, 
I don't have a clue what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> and she's totally lost. And this is a really experienced teacher who's yeah. totally lost in how to be an effective TA. And I think for me, that absolutely highlights just how difficult it is trying to get the best out of the children whilst at the same time trying to get what the teacher really really wants yeah very hard good point it yeah. is a good point um we're on our wind down aren't we the first wind down yeah. series three yeah i don't think Alan's yeah. questions have changed much crack on no no the <laughs> slight emphasis we used to do about about three leaders now i'm going to say dinner party choose three people dead or alive you'd love to learn from that would be a, a really cool oh, party to have. Exotic twist on a common <laughs> favourite. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I think Nelson Mandela's got to be way up there, hasn't he? You know, somebody Not to, the list, to learn. Oh, sorry, Alan, what did you say? I think, he's, I think he's more or less our number one choice for my guest, I think, Nelson Mandela. Yeah, yeah he's got to be really high on the agenda. The, the stuff you can learn as a, as a person, as a leader, is everything, you know, true, true magic. Um, ah, as, a lead, as a learner, um, maybe even somebody like Einstein, you know, yeah. <laughs> he didn't even start talking until he was five and he would have been perhaps written off by an early years team, which would be slightly <laughs> scary. <you know? laughs> um, but I think, you know, but just because of the, the time that we're in now and uh, having just lost um, the Queen, I think spending some time with the Queen um not in a not in a work capacity because obviously she when she was in work mode I should imagine she'd be very different but I'd love to just go and hang around some horses with the queen and just, <laughs> you know <laughs> and see the real queen and, and well, she's effing and blinding over the call oh yeah <laughs> I think she'd have been great but you hear these little snippets don't you of how fun she was yeah, yeah. Um, and I think there'd be a lot to learn at the same time as getting a, a really fun an experience whilst also having a, a good fuss around with some horses <laughs> amazing Nelson Mandela Einstein and the Queen that's a lovely little <laughs> learning session isn't it I just had a strange thought of the Queen being a teaching assistant imagine that imagine the Queen <laughs> She'd be dynamite wouldn't she she'd be good at she awesome <laughs> absolutely she, when she was when she was crowned all that extra learning she went and did because when she talked about at school, didn't learn about politics, didn't have a normal sort of education as we see it now. It's very much needlework and etiquette, wasn't it? it yeah. She didn't know anything about current affairs and world politics. And she had to go and learn and find out about that. So what a great example of an infinite learner is the Queen. Yeah. And how much change yeah. she's been through. An NVQ yeah. in the monarchy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you only, you only know that because you watch The Crown on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ava, it's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Um, could you tell our listeners where maybe they can read a little bit more about Platinum and a little bit more about the work that you do? Yeah, certainly. So we've just launched our brand new website, platinumtraining.com. So it would be lovely um, to go and have a look at that. Um, you, you, if people would like a chat over Zoom about best practice with their TAs and just not sure about how to take the next steps, um, I'm, I have calls like this all the time over Zoom where we just have a little chat about where they're at at the moment, where their vision kind of is and how we can help them mesh um, that gap, even in if it's small things. Um, so more than happy for them to email me. It's just my name um, with a dot in the middle. So eva.cartwright at platinumtraining.com. More than welcome to, um, to email me. Um, I'm on Twitter as eva underscore cartwright. Um, and I'm on LinkedIn. I don't think there's many Eva Cartwrights on LinkedIn, but yeah, LinkedIn. <laughs> if, if you'd like to, I must admit though, I'm not very good at keeping on top of my LinkedIn stuff because you get a lot of marketing kind of stuff on there, don't you? So yeah, yeah um, easiest way is to probably get hold of me through email or going through the website. Um, we're trying to create lots more blogs on the website in best practice with TA so it's well worth keeping an eye on that. I say it's a brand new website for the moment, but we're going to be putting loads more 
um, blogs on there. And the marketing team are nagging me persistently that I need to start a podcast. <laughs> and this yes. might have been. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this well, that'd be super. Oh, yeah. I'm just not overly, um, overly keen. But yeah, it would be it would be a nice way of getting the message out there about TAs. It's about the message. It's not about me. And, yeah, definitely. And that's, that's really, really important. And that's where I think you guys have you've so you've sorted this completely that this is all about infinite learning and not about you know, although it is for you it's not all about you it's all about um really going out and finding great ideas in terms of learning so uh, credit we learned loads from 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 a guest as we have done today um with the time that you've generously spent with us and we love it don't we it's, love it it's a cpd for us for the for the people we work with and our colleagues for anyone that listens and while ever we we're helping well ever we're helping a person it's it's worth doing and that, that's what we're in it for so thanks very much for your kind words and thanks for your time ever it's been uh, great to chat um and i'm sure that we'll uh, we'll we'll talk again soon thanks so much see you for listening to Sensemakers brought to you by the Infinite Learners podcast and backed by Tsunami the number one ego kit provider for schools worldwide you can learn more about Tsunami by, by visiting tsunami-sport.com and if you want to hear more from the Infinite Learners you can find us on your favourite podcast platform including Spotify and Apple Podcasts until next time we'll see you